Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. I thank you, I welcome you, and I'm so glad you tuned in. I pray these are a blessing to you. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are making progress through this book. We will begin Revelation chapter 19 in the next episode, Lord willing. But today what I wanted to do was to take a breather for just a moment and review chapters 1 through 18 in this brief review discuss them, and try to connect them together. We have come through various parts of Revelation. We've talked about many different things in this whole series that we've been doing of these short messages throughout this book for a very long time, at least a couple of months now. And we're trying to truly understand what the Word of God is telling us in the book of Revelation. And so to do that, we've seen that there are elements to this book that are chronological. And then there are elements to this book that are narrative. And the narrative parts either fit in and give us more details about the chronology and the timeline and show us where they fit in the timeline, or they give us more details and information on the people, players, and events even the nations, etc., that are involved in what is happening in the timeline. So there's always a connection throughout this entire book. We just need to know how to connect the dots. And so in a sense, that's what I'd like for us to focus on in this particular episode through way of a brief review and through way of a brief discussion to try to connect all of these elements together before we begin chapter 19. So, in doing that, the very first thing I'd like to do is to read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 for us again, which forms the foundation for this book. And at the end, I'd like for us to look at a verse or two from Revelation chapter 22 at the very end of this book. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So let's look at these verses briefly to form our backdrop and our basis, our foundation. We must remember that Revelation is the book that gives us the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling. It's as if we're pulling back the curtain to see the rest of the story concerning Jesus Christ that has been there all along, but it's been hidden from our view until now. And now is the time to wrap up all of that so that all of the unanswered questions get answered and all of the unfulfilled prophecies are now coming to pass 
just like God's Word said that they would, and we are seeing how those puzzle pieces connect together and how those dots connect together. Notice here that this book, which is one of the least that is read among Christians, actually comes with a blessing for those who will read it, those who will hear the words of this prophecy, and those who will keep them, observe them, obey them, treasure them, do this book, and guard it. That's what it's talking about there. And the time is near. It means that these things are going to shortly take place. Once they begin, they're going to come in swift and rapid succession, and the wrap-up is headed for us, and it will be secure and certain. It also means that the time for these things to begin to be fulfilled is near. Now, John wrote that in 95 AD. We are now in 2021, almost to 2022, if the Lord tarries and doesn't return yet before the end of this year. So these things are very close to their fulfillment. And we see the stage being set in multiple ways right now. You can't read your headlines today and not see the Bible jumping off the page. We are racing into Revelation, and so it's a very timely season for us to be studying and understanding what God says about what is ahead and the entire wrap-up of what he has declared in his word. So we were given the outline for this book in chapter 1, verse 19. John was instructed to write what he saw. That was the risen Lord revealed in Revelation chapter 1. Then he was told to write what is, the things that are right now. That's Revelation chapter 2 and 3, what we call the church age, and we are still in that at the time of this recording. And then he was told to write the things that will be after this. That is chapters 4 through 22. All of those are future. We have not experienced those as of yet. But God wants us to understand them, to know what is coming, and to respond accordingly. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the call to you and the invitation to you is to be born again today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Come to him. Because when chapter 4 begins from that point forward, you can still get saved, perhaps, but there will be strong delusion against you. It will be very difficult, and you will most likely have to be killed for your faith. It is better for you to get saved now and secure your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you've trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ to pay for your sins, and you have called upon him and become his disciple, given your heart and life to him, surrendered to him as Lord and Savior of your life. That's the best thing you can take away from this. Because in this book, there's only two destinations, and there's only two groups of people in the end. Your name is either in the Lamb's Book of Life, or it is not. And that's the ultimate truth. That is absolute truth. And we need to understand that. If your name is not there, then your future is total doom and eternal damnation in hell. You don't want to experience that. So I beg you, I implore you today, make sure 
you know, Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you have a vibrant relationship with him, having trusted in his blood and coming to know him in a personal and true, sincere way through repentance and calling out to him to forgive you for your sins and to come into your heart and life and be your Lord and Savior. I implore you to do that today. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, in actually in verse 1, we read of a transition. The church age is over. Now the things that are coming, that will be after this, after the church age, after chapters 2 and 3 are done, we have that transition. We believe from this passage and many other passages that that is referencing the rapture of the church when Jesus Christ will come in the air, not to the earth. This is not his second coming. This is when he will appear in the air and call forth and gather together his bride and take us to be with him where he is. And there we will ever be with the Lord, Paul tells us. There are many passages that speak of that. We looked at several ways in even chapters 4 and 5 in Revelation where we believe this supports the pre-tribulation rapture is what we call it. In chapters 4 and 5, we see the worship service with God on the throne and the worship before him. We're introduced to the 24 elders. We looked at that. We looked at reasons why we believe that represents the priesthood of the entirety of the church. We saw about the search that is going on in heaven, on earth, and under the earth for the one, for the one person who is worthy to take the scroll because it's his, it's his right, it's his rightful due. And everything in it that will be revealed and that will be done, it's his doings. He is having his day, he is having his way. We saw that it's only the worthy lamb that was worthy to take that scroll. And then we hear the song of the redeemed as the lamb is worshiped. In chapter six, we have the first six seals revealed to us. And we talked about those in detail. In chapter seven, we have an answer to the question posed at the end of chapter six. And we also see the introduction to this 144,000 Jewish messianic evangelists and their ministry during the first half of the tribulation. Chapter 8 and 9, we see the, the seventh seal and the seven trumpets coming into play. These are trumpet judgments from the Lord and from God in heaven. Chapters 10 through 15 is the longest section of narration. Some of it fits and gives us detail about the timeline, and some of it fits with the players and the people in Revelation. Then in chapter 10, we have the angel with John, and John is instructed to eat the scroll, and he is then introduced, I believe, at that point to the bittersweet aspect of these prophecies being revealed, as well as his part to play in this, his ministry in revealing these things. Then in chapter 11, we have the two witnesses. We have the decree. We have their ministry shown to us. We have the decree. And we also have the seventh trumpet sounding in which we know based on this scripture 
that the mystery of God is now activated and will be fulfilled. In chapter 12, we saw where we have definitions of who these players are. The woman representing Israel, the male child, Jesus. Some may even include the body of Christ in that, in the sense that we are taken up in that rapture. And then we have the dragon, the dragon of old, that old serpent, the devil. We also see in chapter 12, the timing and the reason for the flight to the wilderness that the Jews now have to do. Jesus spoke of that in Matthew chapter 24. And we also see it in other places. We understand from Hosea the purpose for the Jews and their flight to the wilderness. And we see how it's there that God is going to bring them to a place of repentance and they will call upon him and all Israel will be saved in the end, that Jewish remnant. In chapter 13, we saw the definition and the rise of the beast or the imposter, the antichrist and the false prophet. We also understand the mark of the beast and the image of the beast. And then in chapter 14, we hear and we see the end of the 144,000 and their ministry. We also see their victory. And we hear three angels delivering three very important messages at this time. One is proclaiming the everlasting gospel. Paul said in Galatians chapter one, he said, if, if me or, or anybody else or even an angel from heaven brings you any other gospel, you reject it. They are anathema, Paul said. This angel is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is only one good news for the world, and it is that Jesus Christ saves and forgives sinners when they call upon him for salvation. So this first angel is proclaiming the gospel to the entire world. Then an angel proclaims Babylon's fall and its decree that it is fallen. From this point forward, that will come to pass. And then the third angel is giving the warning to everyone on planet Earth, do not take the mark of the beast. Because when you do, it dooms you forever to the lake of fire. And there is no escape and there is no returning from that point. We also see in chapter 14, the decree that it is harvest time. The grapes, the bitter grapes and grapes of gall from the earth will now be reaped in the harvest. We also see that the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God will be treaded at that point. And we know from Isaiah 63 and other places exactly who will do the treading. And it is the Lord Jesus himself. Chapter 15, we see the tribulation saints and their victory while they sing the song of Moses. And we also see the preparation for the seven angels that have the seven final bold judgments to pour out in the earth and the severity of those becomes quite clear. In chapter 16, we read about these seven bowls and we also see the futility of the armies of the earth as they gather together at the site of Armageddon to try to battle against the Lord. We also see that the remembrance of Babylon and all of Babylon's evils and misleading and deceit has now come up before the Lord. And so in chapter 17 and 18, 
we read about Babylon. We understand its end. We understand the vengeance that is being poured out on Babylon. And we see the reasons why. She is the mother of abominations and has misled millions and billions into hell. And so she is being judged. Now, we see that these narrative functions in the book give us some that tie with chronology and some that give us more details. Let's try to explore that in this latter part of this episode. The chronology, beginning in chapter 1, shows us, first of all, the risen Lord in heaven in his position as the great high priest, as the risen Lord, as the majesty. Hallelujah. We see in chapters 2 and 3, the church age, we call it, which is now when the churches are in operation. And those are scripture passages that we can take to heart now and learn from. Then we have the rapture of the church in Revelation 4.1. We believe that very strongly, not just from that passage, but from many others. We've addressed several of those here and in other studies that I've done. There is a gap of time between the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation period. We do not know how long or how short that period of time is. Nowhere in scripture does it tell us or give us any real indication of that. But we believe the beginning of the tribulation begins with the opening of the first seal in the sense that the Antichrist rises on the scene publicly then. He may not actually sign or confirm any covenant to start the seven-year countdown until later, possibly the fourth seal, or even later than that, we do not know. But we do know that there is a gap between the rapture and the actual time of the, the first seal and or the actual seven-year countdown of the tribulation as given us by Daniel chapter 9. We don't know the, the term of that gap, but we believe that that is during that time that Revelation 4 and 5 happens, for instance, and the seals then begin to be opened by the Lamb in Revelation chapter 6. The seals can only be opened after the Lamb receives the scroll. The Lamb can only receive the scroll after the 24 elders have been seated and the search results have come in. There's no one found worthy but the Lamb. And then we see, of course, him being worshipped with the song of the redeemed as well. Then we see the beginning of his wrath poured out. Some would suggest the entire time from the first seal through the end is really the tribulation period. I would probably concur with that. However, the seven-year countdown does not begin until this Antichrist, who's arisen on the scene as a global leader, now signs or confirms this covenant with Israel and other nations and it ushers in a time of expected and supposed peace and safety. But they're not aware that sudden destruction will come shortly thereafter. When we find the sixth seal, we find chapter 7 kind of fitting in there. And chapter 7 begins and is in operation during the first part of the tribulation, during that first half. 
possibly even in the gap they may arise on the scene before the actual countdown of the tribulation begins, but they are involved in their ministry in that first half of the tribulation. And their end result of their ministry is also given to us in chapter 7 there. We see the result of their ministry at the end of that chapter. Then we have the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, and those will actually usher in the second coming of Jesus, which is what we will see in just a short order here as we study chapter 19. Now, the narratives seem to connect in this way the best that I can determine, the best that I can study. It appears that chapter 7 connects with chapter 6 before the trumpets begin, falling during the first half of the tribulation, and their ministry ending around the middle point of the tribulation, it appears, along with the end of the ministry of the two witnesses. In chapter 10, it may apply actually to 95 AD when John first gets this vision. At Patmos, it is certainly applicable to John and the bittersweet nature of this entire vision and of his prophetic ministry. Because John is shown the sweetness of what results for those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But he's also shown the bitter part of what the world is going to go through those who have rejected him and opposed him and what their end is and what the end is for all those who will not receive Jesus Christ and let him write their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. In chapter 11, we have the two witnesses and they will operate in their ministry during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. They very well may be involved in the rebuilding of the third temple, we do not know. It appears so based on the reading of chapter 11 of Revelation and other places in Scripture. We discussed the two witnesses, and we also looked at why there had to be two as what is truly involved in the whole of their ministry. Then in chapters 12 and 13, these chapters define for us the players that arise on the scene, the people and nations and so forth that are explained to us here and that are being a part of the events that are falling into place. For instance, the woman represents Israel. She is the one that has to flee to the wilderness. She has birthed the male child, Jesus, and the devil has been after Jesus and his body, his believers, ever since then, ever since the first curse back in Genesis came to pass. Satan hates Jesus, he hates God, and he hates God's people. And so this woman, Israel, now in obedience to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, has to flee to the wilderness. That happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. I want to refer you again to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and to Matthew 24, verses 15 through 21. Then in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, according to Revelation 12 and 13, Satan has great wrath and will be severely persecuting the church, severely persecuting the Jews, and bringing in what Jesus called the great tribulation, 
such as such evil as has never been seen before in the earth. Then in chapter 14, we first see the triumph of the 144,000. Now, we also saw and talked about this briefly in when we went through this passage and these passages concerning the 144,000, but the church is gone by the time the tribulation begins. The first part of the tribulation, the 144,000 are the evangelist for the Lord during that time, those and the two witnesses. But they're going to be gone. I personally see it appears that they are gone along with the two witnesses in or around the midpoint of the tribulation. After that, God will send this angel that will proclaim the everlasting gospel. And we also see there that the harvest of the bitter grapes from the earth is going to be reaped now in this final part. In chapter 15, we see them readying for these seven bowls. And in chapter 16, we see the seven bowls being poured out, each in their order and in rapid succession. These are the worst of the worst, and they are the severest of all the judgments. And they fall greatly upon all who pledged allegiance to the beast. But notice this, there's also a sad commentary in a few places in Revelation because it points out to us that they did not repent. Some of the saddest verses in the Bible are found in this book. They did not repent of all their evils. We see also in chapter 16, the armies muster together to gather at Armageddon. But notice that even though they're trying to rage and do these futile things, God is going to have victory and it's his doing. We saw how he's the one mustering the armies for battle. He's the one drawing them, but he is also going to be the victor over them. In Psalm chapter two, I just want to read verses one through five. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And we see other areas that tell us that this is talking about this whole time. Now, the nations are raging even now. But in this day, this will be their final rage, their final futile attempt. The Lord will be victorious. We also see beginning in chapter 16 through chapter 18, and actually the very first part of chapter 19, that Babylon has been remembered before the Lord for all of her sins and evils. Babylon is judged. Babylon has received God's vengeance. And we understand the reasons why through our study there. It appears that the seal judgments and the seven trumpets appear from the rapture through to the midpoint of the tribulation. And the seven bowl judgments come from the midpoint of the tribulation through Jesus' return. But finally, Jesus is on the horizon. And we're about to get into some of the best 
chapters of the entire Bible and certainly of the book of Revelation because we're fixing to see, we're about to see the end and the wrap up of everything as Jesus, the victor, shows up and receives his everlasting kingdom. I want us to look as we draw to a close now. Jesus is coming back. The question is, are you ready? Are you in his camp? Are you one of his saints? Are you one of those who has called upon him and been justified by faith alone in his blood, in his finished work on the cross of Calvary that paid the debt for your sin and for mine? Have you believed in him? Are you ready? If so, you may be able to join us in the rapture of the church. If not, and you get saved after the tribulation, you can, you can follow the Lord and he will give you grace to make it through, but you will probably have to die for your faith. And yet Jesus will receive you on the other side. We saw that also from the cry of the martyrs. We saw that, that they have a special place in heaven until the time when Jesus is going to bring vengeance for their blood and for their bloodshed. I encourage you now, call upon Jesus now, because he is coming soon. I want to leave you with these final words in Revelation chapter 22, in verse 6 and 7. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. That is spoken by the Lord himself. He said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is on the horizon. And when we see signs and evidence now, that the tribulation events are beginning to take shape and the players are getting in place, the people are being brought in and, and things are starting to get set up. The whole stage is being set up. Everything is coming together. We know then that the rapture of the church is even closer. Come to him now. Come to him today. He can come at any time for his bride. Are you part of that? I encourage you, take the words of Jesus seriously because Jesus is on the horizon. Hallelujah. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again as we continue through the reading of scripture and through the rest of this book. May God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.